Hello, I'm Dr. Kim, your host, sharing the bonafide doggone truth. Come along and dig good vibrations with me through the divine goodness of God. We're going to explore wellness through worship of King Jesus, learning through what dogs teach us, implementing clean living, so we can all, human and animal, be well, be whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 32, New King James. This is one of those bonus episodes I've mentioned. This was recorded in 2013 on my former podcast with my former co-host, and I hope you enjoy. It is right along the topic of frequencies, vibrations, and this one's all about those vibrations in nature, so it's titled Nature Symphony. Hope you enjoy. We're going to talk about nature symphony, something that is coming much more to the forefront in animal. Well, I actually think in nature in general, we are learning more and more and more about how everything works in synergy, holistically, together, interdependently as a whole. And the reason why things are not working in such a synergy is simply because of mankind's intervention with all of our toxic use of pesticides and so many other things. We hope that by when you listen to that, you will be encouraged to be part of the solution and to also be amazed at what you learn. Now I'm going to open with a couple of quotes. The first one we took because I always go when there's something like this, when we're talking about vibrations and frequencies and resonance and so forth, I always look to the essential oils. So I went to Dr. Stewart's book, Chemistry of Essential Oils Made Simple, and I got this quote from there. And he says, he, meaning God, has created medicines whose molecules sing sonorous songs, I'm probably pronouncing that word wrong, I always do, of healing to our very selves, resounding with his grace, if only we will attune ourselves to receive it. And then Cornelius Van Dalen, he says, and this is from the New Physicist, Nature and Medicine, he says, it has been said that you cannot hurt the humblest creature or disturb the smallest pebble without your action having a reaction upon something else's. You cannot mm-hmm. think an evil thought, no matter how privately, without it having an effect upon somebody else. And whatsoever you do in life sets up some form of resonance. If you know anything about music, you will be able to relate to the words timbre and resonance and frequency and vibration. So this is what we're going to talk about today. And believe it or not, there is a constant music and song going on in nature, a symphony, if you will, that when we come in with our noise, with our vehicles and our machines and our chemicals and all of that, it interrupts that flow. And that's why we are seeing an imbalance in nature today, because it was all meant to work in this beautiful harmony of symphony. And Mm -hmm. we are distorting that. And, you know, I've noticed the difference, for example, in my own yard. My yard is the yard out of all of my neighbors that is suffering with this imbalance, not because I am using chemicals, but because I'm not. And what that means, I hope you'll learn from today, what that means is that because my yard doesn't have the toxins in it and doesn't have the poisons, then the overabundance of the pests and the overabundance of the bacteria and so forth kind of is drawn to my yard simply because there's just not enough birds and not enough bees, not enough mm-hmm. um, predator insects. There is no balance in the whole of nature right. because everyone else around me is using pesticides and toxins. Mm-hmm. So that imbalance is going to be evident in the yard that is organic. 
and natural, more so. But all the more reason to do that, to be representative to everybody else, that we aren't going to resort to that. And eventually the balance will come in my ground when enough chemical, when there's been enough time that there hasn't been chemicals used in it because the people before me were using chemicals. It takes time to bring the balance and you have to be patient because nature works at such a slow pace, but it works at a sure pace. There you go. I was just going to say that. Right, slow but sure, yeah. Slow but sure, and that's everything that we always talk about. So I I was thinking about reflecting on this because this kind of a topic is much more up my alley, if you will. As I was pondering, this really interesting to me how I actually listened and focused in on how on the crickets singing outside my window, which they do every night. Because we didn't have any fans on that night, simply because the air was so much colder that night, I could actually hear a soothing, gentle song from them. Now it was less fervent and less loud than it is in the early summer because, you know, I think all the mating stuff is going on then, so they're making loud sounds and they want to attract each other, so it's much more intense. It's much gentler now as as in the Northern Hemisphere, we wane into fall and winter as the crickets know they're either going to die and leave offspring or they hibernate, whatever, however, as nature starts to kind of slow down and the animals that need to hibernate do and those that die off do, and there's a gentleness about it. And I think that's one of the reasons I love the fall so much. It's like a second spring because of the colors and, and it's, it's, it's a waning instead of a a resurgence like it is in the spring. So it's a different feel to it. These crickets had a really calm sort of song, and they were all in harmony together. And then I noticed that one cricket tried to chime in, but he was out of tune. Oh, <laughs> he no. wasn't quite with it. He wasn't, <laughs> so he just got silent pretty quickly. And wow. I guess he just wasn't resonated in, in the right frequency as the rest of them. And I also recall growing up that during the summer, the air was alive with with bees and birds and especially during the heat of the day you could just hear the buzzing frequency of the crickets that you don't hear anymore because everyone's using all these poisons and trust me that is the main primary reason that the plants are not growing in the harmony that they should so we have a lot to talk about with that today it was really interesting for me to hear that and really know that everything every single thing from the animals to the plants to the insects sing and vibrate in a frequency the earth does every human being does your individual organs do everything has a vibrating frequency and a resonance that's going to predict in your body in the planet in the environment health or disease nothing is ever still something to note is that even and we will talk about in a little while our organs have a frequency that vibrate when they're healthy, and when they're not, that frequency goes out of balance. Uh, Dr. Jeannie had an article that she was going to share with us. The title of it is The Dawn Chorus and Life Forces, and in particular a section on the sonic bloom, which right. was a primary part of the book, The Secret Life of Plants. Now, that book is still available on Amazon, and I would encourage everybody to get a copy of that. Even though it's an old book, it has not gone out of date because that still holds true. We have just found out so much more, and we're going to talk about the much more today. Yeah, it's just everything is so interconnected. We don't stop to think about it. And how important the songs, the Dawn Chorus, the name of the title of the article, is to life. They found that in the spring and the autumn, when swallows actually beat the air with their wings, produce vibrations, and they cause these, these currents and these frequencies with their wings to help affect the flowering and fruiting of the plants. And that when there were less swallows around the the countryside where a lot of these flowering trees and, and plants were in existence, 
that they were having less produced. The crops were not producing as heavily as they once were. And, of course, they're saying that it was due to the DDT that a lot of these animals, these birds, were, were killed off. And so we just don't have the numbers of them or even those particular species available anymore to help these plants to flower and to produce fruit. And by the same token, they found that the bird songs early in the morning, first thing in the day, would actually cause the seeds to germinate in the ground and to grow. Yeah, and then again in the evening, same thing. So Uh what's happened is what they did, because they know that there is so much famine and drought around the world today, no no wonder from what we're doing with it with all of these toxic Uh pesticides, they're causing the plants to go out of their proper frequency and and to bloom and blossom and produce. They've created music, and they tested this out on a particular field, and they prepared the music, and they said it was phenomenal how well these plants grew and produced abundant amount of produce from them mm-hmm. and so they know that the song is very much that and it, they had they did it at the frequency that birds sing the same resonance at the same timbre so that it would re, it would be like a, a mock-up if you will of and even though it's synthetic in its essence it was still music and right. it was still music like birds create and they matched it and these plants were able to germinate, bloom, and grow, bloom, and blossom, and then produce. And that's something really important. So that old thing where you say somebody's talking or singing to their plants is not off base. It really is. No, not at all. matters. As a matter of fact, our thought matter with plants. Mm -hmm. And thoughts matter with animals because thought is energetic, and it does transfer, does affect, and we know that just when we have an argument with each other, that that can change the whole frequency of how you're interacting with each other. Everything can change to real dullness and a negativity, or you can turn it around to a positive and flourishing thing. So they have since, since this article was written, since that book was written, they've come out with so many more things. And I'm going to start with the animals and work our way all the way to the algae into ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with mice, and it's absolutely beautiful. I was fascinated when I heard it sounded like whales. And what they did was yeah. first found, one man originally found a mouse that really could sing. It was a wild mouse, so he put it in a cage like a canary, and it sang like a bird. They bred it with a regular lab mouse, if you will, white one, and it did not chirp or sing the same way that particular wild field mouse did. But as they've studied this since then, they have learned by this one woman who spends all her time in the outdoors, a biologist who studies symphony sound frequency in nature, the scientist found out that she was really tuning in so closely that she was starting to hear what she thought were mice singing. She recorded it, brought it in, and definitely was. She brought field mice into a lab, created a natural setting for them, and they sang. And what she did was slow it down so that the human ear could discern it, and it sounds exactly like whales singing. Phenomenal. Let me just give you a little rundown of this. It says in late, from this article that will be linked in, you can also hear the mice singing from the Smithsonian Magazine. In late 1925, when J.L. Clark discovered an unusual mouse, and that was the one I just told you about. So let me just skip over from what he says. It was like a chitter. But recently, this is the scientist's name, Martina Kalkinus Rupel, a biologist at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro, revisited the mystery of the singing mouse. And after figuring out how to listen to the mice on their own terms, she learned something entirely new. 
It says one of her colleagues heard something unusual or something loud and through the recording. They analyzed the sound on the computer and saw a plot that was entirely new. The four-note song of what would prove to be a deer mouse played back at slow speed. It sounded a little, and to me it sounds a lot like the wooing of a whale yeah. sound, the yeah. plaintive rise and fall of that whale sound. Because, you know, the whales use that sound, that singing for the mating. It's the males who are singing to attract females. They found that they, huh? they do it just to communicate, too, that each pod has its own dialect, like we have accents. Our own dialects and our own languages. Uh-huh. I mean, our right. own different languages, right? So right. different vernacular as well. So that's right. really interesting. Of course, I was looking up elephants and whales because we know that they will use a similar kind of sound. And they did a new study that was recently conducted on a dead elephant that has demonstrated to researchers that elephants sing in the same way that humans do. It says that the vocal sound is so low that it's inaudible to us, but they said it is there nonetheless. It says elephants may not be singing the same tunes that humans do, but they sing in elephant language. Mm. According to the BBC News, researchers have discovered that elephants use an ultrasound rumble that is too low for humans to hear. But the voice is used as a way of keeping the herd together and for males to attract females. And indeed, the male elephants use a bass singing voice that would be perfect in any choir if it could be heard by the human ear. So what I thought was fascinating about this is they all use it for keeping in contact with each other as birds do, for attracting mating partners. And Mm -hmm. again, those same sounds are used to keep the plants growing. I would bet if they did a study, they would find that all these sounds that the animals are making contribute to the ecosystem. Yep. And And even found ants ants communicate with sound. And they also communicate with scent, which, you know, yes. again, it's yes. answer but being that what they off. thought A lot of what they thought was scent. I was just watching something. I'll have to find the name of the show. Recently, they found that they're actually making these noises that are not audible to the, to the human naked ear, as they say, or naked eye, that they have to be listened to at a slow speed and a, and a different frequency. But they are actually doing the same thing elephants and birds and every other animal does by communicating where they are, where where the food is, where danger is. I mean, all the way down to the little ant. It's amazing. It is amazing. And again, that they also use scent. So there's scent and sound. Scent and sound. It all goes together. And we are annihilating that with our toxic, nauseous, synthetic Mm -hmm. pesticides and perfumes and air fresheners and all of those things. We're destroying that whole symphony by our contribution, whether we're using deodorants, whisper, anything that's going to go into the environment is going to affect this beautiful symphony and the harmony is going to be disrupted. Another thing about they found out about elephants, this was really funny to me because I was one of those people that loved soul music and in jazz and rhythm and blues and Barry White is a well-known soul singer and, and definitely during the 70s and 80s and it says that elephants rumble to a Barry White sort of tune to bring on the mood for mating. <laughs> And, you know, everybody always thinks that Barry White is that sexy music, you know, the sexy music to put on when a man and a woman, you know what I'm saying. And anyway, it was really funny from this particular article from the UK. It's a science tech. And they were talking about how elephants sing um, like humans. Again, another article like the other one from the BBC. And it says it allows the animals to communicate over distances up to six miles. And the low-pitched elephant calls occupying a frequency range between 20 hertz, which is, a you know, below what humans can hear 
genera right. may seem to have little in common with our human singing, but they said that they have confirmed that both our singing and the elephant singing is produced in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. That the elephant's larynx constitutes a vibrating system that behaves in a fashion similar to that known in humans and other mammals. I just found that fascinating. And it even uh, said, yeah. one of the commenters on this article said, now here's one other thing. Gaseous expulsions of a giraffe can create unique harmonies coupled with rhythmic patterns not unlike Morse code. Mm-hmm. So they're communicating. And we always yeah. wondered, well, they don't make any sounds. Oh, yes, they do make sounds. You know, we only ever hear their scream or their trumpet sound, right. their screams, their alarm calls. But they're communicating at frequencies we cannot understand. So everything has a frequency. That's the point we're trying to drive home today. And it right. is a beautiful symphony. Now, we're going to go to the humpback whale, and then we're going to go into plants. The humpback whale, everybody knows about, but I just wanted to bring this to mind so you guys can have it from the little mouth all the way up to this largest mammal, is the whale. And it was saying that the mournful, this was from Wired.com, from Wired Science, the mournful, curiously repetitious, ever-changing songs of a male humpback whale have long puzzled scientists, but they said the tunes are part of the male. This was super interesting. This is new information. This is that the tunes are part of the male's mating displays. We know that. But researchers didn't know their exact function or which males in a population are doing the singing. So now scientists who have been studying the giant marine mammals in Hawaii for almost 40 years report that even sexually immature males join older males in singing, apparently as a way to learn the music and to amplify the song. How awesome is that, you guys? So it says, this is a beefed-up all-male courses that may attract more females to the area where the songsters are hanging out. So the males get together and they sing. They serenade the females together. And the sexually immature males are learning the song. (laughs) It's just awesome, I thought. They went on to talk about how they measure it and so forth. This was new information to learn that the immature males are learning from the mature males. What all is about, they're being taught what all of this whole thing is about, continuance of the species through music. I thought that was fascinating. So music has always played a huge role in everything, in every part of nature. We're going to go to the singing plants, and I want you guys to know that animals aren't the only thing that sing. Scientists have also learned that plants sing, and from this website, messagetoeagle.com, they said that the plants have the most sensitive variations when they signal the arrival of the person who cares for them. Who, when being watered, when being spoken to, during the creation of music, etc. So they said sensations felt within the plant induce a physiological reaction, which then expresses itself in an electrical, conductive, and resistance variations. And these variations can be translated in different ways, including into musical scale. Now, the experiments that they're doing today have shown that plants definitely appear to enjoy learning to use musical scales and also making their own music with the use of a synthesizer. They're translating with the sounds that they're getting from the plant into something that our human ears can understand. And I listened to several of the songs, and they were beautiful. And I was actually kind of excited wondering what my own plants were thinking about this music that they were hearing because I played music from roses, red and white roses, and also other plants. And then even right down to algae, and it was amazing. And I hope that you guys will take the time to not only read the articles in depth, but listen to the videos. And they're beautiful. It's just amazing to think that all this sound is going on, creating frequencies of healing and health in our environment. 
and I need to get to that. So I won't go further into those. I w- would encourage you guys to listen to them all the way down to where we get to the essential oils because Dr. Stewart wrote an article called Harmonies, Melodies, and Symphonies with Essential Oils. Because plants are communicating and singing to each other, they do communicate when there's, for example, when animals are eating them, they will alert all the plants of their in their vicinity so that the plants will give off a different type of ascent oil that is unappealing to the animals that are eating them. So that the that's why the animals have to constantly move in the wild to eat plants because the plants change their chemistry to be unappealing so that they don't become annihilated fascinating and or for example when they're being inundated with aphids they will draw a sound that or scent a scent that will and or sound that will attract say for example wasps to eat the aphids the distress call when we interfere with our chemicals that also have estrogen like qualities and definitely don't have any frequency to them have no sound they're dead right. it's going to create that same situation in the environment and cause everything to go out of harmony let's talk about this how frequencies heal from dr stewart's book from pages 186 through 188, or actually 190, we won't go that far, we're just going to go skip through some of it. In The Chemistry of Essential Oils Made Simple, he talks about resonance, how frequencies heal, and so forth, and this is what we wanted to focus in on today. He will make all this harmony that we're talking about today make sense to you. Basically, what he says is when we're referring to a frequency that an essential oil or a plant or anybody has in their body, we're referring to a, a fundamental harmonic of that organ system, of that plant, of that animal, of ourselves, of the essential oil. He explains to you the difference in vibrations and timbres and different pitches and scales. So for you, a little music lesson in there for you that will help. If you don't have this book, I'd encourage you to get it because it oh, really yeah. does explain things in detail. He goes on to talk about resonance, and this is where I want to kind of start, that there is, like with tuning forks, this is why a lot of people are using tuning forks when they're doing the raindrop technique, because it creates that resonance, that vibration of healing. Mm -hmm. So he's talking about that essential oils work in the same kind of fashion as a tuning fork in the body. So various organs and tissues and cells of your body inherently possess certain pitches or fundamental frequencies, and it's unique to that certain cell or tissue organ. Talk about fearfully and wonderfully created. So he's saying that oil molecules that resonate at the frequencies that say your pancreas will administer therapy there and ones that the same thing with your brain or with your muscles or with your bones or whatever that particular part in your body. He says now oils that do not have the frequencies of whatever you're trying to target, pancreas, brain, liver, whatever. He says they will not resonate for those organs, but they will transfer their energies to other body parts and tissues in harmony with them. So you're really going to still be working in your body, even if it's not the one you were trying to target. And then he goes on to say that that's why some oils work best for the muscles or nerves or bones or whatever. Mm-hmm. And aromatic therapeutic-grade oils, by the way, transfer their healing to various aspects of our being according to the music in their molecules. Now, you guys know the plants sing, and so therefore so do the essential oils from the plants, and so they're going to transfer that in, in a healing symphony into your body, into your animal's body. So what happens is we always have thought of these essential oils as killing off bacteria or killing off viruses. By the way, viruses aren't dead or alive, so that's impossible, okay? So here's what happens. He explains this really beautifully. What happens when we're in contact with or in the presence of a living therapeutic vibrating essential oil is this, and we use Young Living. That's the one we use and the only one we use. 
Our cells, our spirits, our minds, our bodies, our organs, our tissues, and our cells can each resonate with the spectrum of healing harmonic frequencies of that oil when the sickness in our bodies does not. In other words, when healing takes place, our bodies resonate at frequencies where health and balance is restored and disease cannot exist. So what the essential oils do is they harmonize the body so that disease can't exist. Fascinating to me. Um, There is a book called Symmatics. It's spelled C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S by Hans Jenny. He was a Swiss physician and research scientist. Now, he learned about the effects of sound vibrations on living and inanimate matter. Right now, I don't think anything is really inanimate, but this is a scientific Mm -hmm. viewpoint, okay? And he's saying that he found that from his research, Dr. Jenny's research, is that each organ of the body makes sound at specific frequencies, and it is not the sound that we can hear with our ears. But again, going back to the vibrations and the amplitudes and measurable sonic vibrations for each part of our bodies. And he said that he and a fellow researcher and physician, Dr. Peter Manners of England, have determined what these frequencies are in many of our bodily organs. So when an organ malfunctions, they found that the organ no longer emitted its healthy frequencies. So mm-hmm. they found that by aiming specific audible high-intensity frequencies of sound at those organs, they would be restored to health. This is what the oils are doing in the right. body. So right. Dr. Stewart is saying when, in other words, the sick organs are basically out of tune, they're out mm-hmm. of harmony, and they're in a state of dissonance. So by coming into resonance with the healthy frequencies of the sound generator, they'll come back into a state of wellness and vibrate once again at their proper frequency. Now, essential oils do everything on a more subtle level, he says, of energy. So they work at various organ cells, everything, even on your thoughts and feelings, which, Mm -hmm. again, those thoughts and feelings are also going to affect your health. They're going to bring things out of harmony. All of these things, all of this to say that that therapeutic-grade essential oils produce coherent frequencies that are naturally tuned into pitches that mean health to our bodies. Pharmaceuticals and synthetic essential oils or oils of any kind that are synthetic do not. Anything synthetic, pharmaceutical, will not resonate. It's a dead thing. It yeah. has no frequency, has no life in it, will not bring health and healing to a body. I'm not sure who said it, but I think it's in The Secrets of the Soil. And it says, one can only come to harmony in life by attuning to that which is harmonious. Discord does not heal. Similars do. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's a great quote, too. Well, we hope that you guys have learned a lot. Remember this. Remember when we talk about pesticides and vaccines, why those can't work in the body to bring healing and health and immunity. This, I think, probably is pivotal to everybody understanding that. And I would encourage you to read the articles and learn this so that you will understand why everything is in a beautiful harmony when we honor those laws of health. The eight laws of health, when we live in this symbiosis, in this holistically, interdependently, according to God's plan for our lives. I personally, after learning so much of this, can't imagine why people would deny a God who would create a beautiful symphony like this to work together, and we're distorting it all. My hope is that everybody would go out and do their research and learn about this, and then you will be able to understand why medicine doesn't work. Why? Those pills will never make you well. Why even those surgeries will not bring the body back into harmony just by turning off the fire engine does not stop the fire. Right. It doesn't. Turning off the alarms won't stop the guy from breaking in. You've got to stop the action, not the actual, you know, sounds that are alarming to you. 
you know, mm-hmm. that are that are trying to tell you something's wrong. Alerting you, And yeah. now you know through the sound and frequencies and vibrations, why not? Thank you for listening. And remember, when you know the truth, Jesus, then the truth will make you free. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. 3 John 1, 2. The Doggone Truth Podcast is a production of Aspen Bloom. All rights reserved and may not be resold or utilized in any way without express written permission by Aspen Bloom and Dr. Kim Bloomer. The information I share represents what I, an animal naturopath, have chosen to do to take charge of my own personal health and that of my family and pets. Information learned here is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure, but rather to encourage and empower you to make your own health care and dietary decisions and those of your pets based upon your own research in partnership with your health care providers when needed, but especially to depend on Jehovah Rapha, the healer. Side note, I often mention products that I use, some as an affiliate or brand partner, such as Young Living Essential Oils, Whole Tones Music, etc. I'll always tell you when I do represent those companies. Otherwise, they're simply things I've chosen to use for my own family and have benefited from, so I share those with you. Last, but certainly not least, I encourage you to dig in and make your own informed decisions through your own personal responsibility, research, application, and due diligence. Thank you.